Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. You know, for those that follow uh, my podcast and, and my interest in writing and storytelling, I'm always fascinated, uh, and I'll stop and have a conversation when I get a chance to talk to someone who has founded a company um, in their history, because I just think there's a there's a unique bond between those that have, you know, sort of put themselves out there and thought beyond just an idea and put it into practice and then applied those experiences. I'm sure, you know, the pitfalls and and the exhilaration at times into what they're doing now. Um, to support an industry. And so I'm really you know, looking forward to this conversation with Dove Friedman. He is the VP of Partnerships and Sales at SeedMe, which stands for Seeing is Believing Me. Um, Dove has worked for over a decade in, in education technology. And we're going to get, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it now, but there's a great sort of story about, you know, the, 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 the story of Zoom and what was going on in the early days and those that, you know, saw it from, from the inside or not from the inside, but sort of were there on the periphery when they had less than 50 employees. And, and now, of course, Zoom is ubiquitous when we think about just engaging with the world uh, in so many different ways. And so what a fantastic experience. But Dove, nice to spend some time with you. Um, look, you've been in ed tech for over a decade. Uh, let's start with this. Why, when you think about when you started your your company, um, and then we'll advance through the timeline. What was it about that point in time in history that you said that you had, not just what was going on sort of in the conditions of the market, but that you felt you had accumulated sort of the wherewithal and the the sweat equity to start something yourself? Tell me about that decision. Uh, that's a great question. First of all, Rod, thank you for, for having me on. I really appreciate it when you uh, mentioned some of the people that you've interviewed and now I'm on that list. I'm, uh, it's, it's, you know, apples to apples. Let me tell you what people like Terry Bradshaw, you know, it's like, um, but thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, I really, I, I, I taught for a few years. I was around special ed in, in college, um, running programs for special ed and, and, Knowing that there was never technology, never came came up. I never saw technology. I never saw technology. Never, never in 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 schools. I went. I started a master's in New York, and the technology was never discussed. So happens to be a few years after college, when I moved to Israel. Uh, everything here is technology, right? Everything is startup. Everything is in your face. Well, which startup are you working at? Which high tech company are you working for? Who's your R and D? And it just made me think about, well, I've, I just came from the education world. I was an educator for several years. I, I worked in special ed and there was never any education there. There was never any technology being used. So where's there a gap that maybe we can start to plug in to say, hey, there could be some type of technology being used. It happened to be in the web conferencing space at the time, which was still in its infancy in education to help ease the use for across the board, whether that's K-12, special ed, higher ed, et cetera. And since everybody here talks about technology, they, several of my friends were like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's let's get it going. 
And that's how it starts here, right? It's just like an yeah, idea. Talk about You're that. talking to a friend and boom, yeah. you start a company. Paint, paint that picture for people who don't know. Um, and, and, you know, sort of shame on me and just the assumption, because I've talked to a lot of folks and interviewed people over the last 15 years um, that have called Israel home and just the, the culture of innovation there. Because I don't know if we have a full grasp of it, because when you say that, it's like, yes, everybody's talking about sort of, you know, what's your idea? Right. And and so can you talk about that? Like, what is that? What does that look like uh, from a young from a younger or earlier career individual when you think about that? Because I do think that that is something that we're seeing now spread across the globe, which is younger people saying, well, it's just a matter of how many companies I'm going to start or be a part of, not that I'm going to be in one for, you know, decades. So I, I think, honestly, it comes very much of how can I change the world? Right. And I think from I was that way also from the young perspective. In, it's funny because in Israel, a lot of the technology that we develop in startups is exported. It's not very really necessarily used Good here point. because we look at it and say we're a very small country and, and we can develop and use it here. But one, number one, from a business perspective, you have to broaden in order to actually make some money. But but from a uh, from a theory perspective and a change the world perspective, we look at it and be like, I'm especially in ed tech, right? I'm not, I don't, can't talk to you about, I've been doing ed tech forever. I can't necessarily talk to you about other technologies, but in ed tech, it's like, I want to build something that I know students and teachers across the globe will use to change the way that they learn. And when you have, when you just bring up those types of ideas with people, kind of the light bulb goes off and says, well, I know how to develop and I know how to run a business and I've done this before and I've done that before and I've sold and I've this and it's such a small country that you just have to like start spreading the word, talk to a few people and the parts just start to move and all of a sudden it's like, I want to join you because I want to do this and I want to join you because I want to do that. It's literally just like you're walking down the street, you're talking to a friend of yours, you're like, well, I just heard a guy who just left this company and now wants to start another one and he had a similar idea I'm going to yeah. introduce you to and that's Sweet. it. Speak to the value or the perception of of the value of education across the country, because I do think if if I've been very blessed to be able to travel around the world, and there are different parts of the world where I believe education is valued at a higher clip than potentially it is here in the U.S. And the way in which we think about the educators in the classroom, sort of the way in which we support from a local community perspective, um, it it can feel a little bit different and even be more sort of passionate, which I would imagine that then bleeds over to wanting to then contribute once you finished your schooling to go into ed tech. It's like, I remember years ago interviewing a number of American innovators who said, I did, they didn't know if they wanted to go into ed tech because they felt like there was too much red tape, right? They thought, let me talk about taking the innovation and sort of what I'm good at and applying that in maybe the gaming sector, but not the ed tech sector. Is there something about sort of the way in which education is talked about within families that you think supports sort of that generational transfer of sort of, you know, intellectual power to the ed tech space in Israel? Sure. It's an interesting, very, uh, very interesting question. So here, the, the education system is very much based on family. It's very much based on history of family. Every, uh, in every school, whether it's a religious school or not religious school, you have to do a, uh, like a, they call it a roots project where you have to go through your, your, your parents and your grandparents and and follow their roots and talk to them and and really really be involved and learn about the history um and and i think that's 
definitely part of the core of of our values as a country, of values as a, as a Jewish country. And it definitely, listen, I mean, there is a lot of red tape in, edu in education, right? And to get to get into any education institution takes, whether it's small or large, takes a lot of patience. Um, the school system here, because it's family oriented, because it teaches you that patience, it teaches you how to, how to, uh, survive different scenarios more i think than maybe some other other places uh i think that helps in general in not just in ed tech in the technology sector in general you, you need a lot of patience when you're building a startup it takes a lot in it in all on all sectors it takes a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of money a lot of patience and i think that definitely is built into the system here because it's family-based it's yeah. very holiday based. It's family based. It's it's a uh, there's a lot of projects more than uh, more than just tests and learning. There's a lot of different projects which which involve the family on all different levels. Uh, like I mean, mother some for the mother, some for the father, some for both, some for some for the siblings to come in and have different projects. And I think that that sort of is the core of of the value, right? To value education, to value getting a a, a, a degree of some sort, um, I think really is a very core part of the country, which enables us to then go. And, and also, I, I'm just going to state out there, right? Part of it is that the, is the army. So the army, the fact that when you turn 18, you have to develop, you have to go into the army. So the army, high school is geared towards that. So what does that mean? Sometimes that's from the intellectual level of going into different cybersecurity parts in the army, et cetera. And some of that is is the physical aspects, but it's it's it all comes down to a mental, right? Mental aspect of you can push yourself, you can you can go further than what you think you can do, right? Whether that whether you're a fighter or you're sitting in a on a computer in the army. And I think that is built even from when we're young into the system, which which helps, again, build patience, build mind over matter, build mind over body. Yeah, there's cultural um, alignment. There's alignment there. There's an understanding of sort of the bigger picture. And it helps, I think, you know, when we talk about runway, like the the runway that a, that a startup may or may not have and the funds that they have that spread over time to support the development of that company, you want to have that patience, right? Because education does have red tape and it can take longer. And it, to your point, if you're aligned and you've got the support in these different domains, in your life, it feels as if that's going to be, you're giving yourself a better shot to make a difference in what you originally set out to do. I love that context, Dove. Uh, okay, so let's pivot. So it is pandemic time. And uh, you, you have, you're having conversation, you're seeing sort of the, the behind the scenes at Zoom. So tell me about the transfer from the company that you started, what you were seeing, and then into Sibme and what you're doing around professional development and AI. Sure. Yeah, so uh, the company that I found was probably the first uh, integration company uh, working with web conferencing and education, starting to higher ed, and then a little bit more K K twelve. Um, it was founded in two thousand fourteen, so that's way before the pandemic. And higher ed kind of got it and started to get it and started to impl implement. Then when the pandemic hit, uh, it was actually funny. So I went on a tour of Texas actually in two thousand nineteen, uh, and and we were talking to K-12 
uh, district leaders and they were like, eh, nobody needs, this was in September of 2019. So about five months before the pandemic, yeah. nah, we don't need online learning. We don't need zoom. We don't need this. We don't need that. They like weren't interested. And then the pandemic hit and it was like, boom. <laughs> and, and none of them were, none of them were prepared. Right. And, and a lot of them lost their jobs because they weren't prepared. But so the pandemic in the short term, people needed web conferencing, needed Zoom, wanted to, everything was online, obviously, for like, let's say within the year after the pandemic from so like February, March 2020 till 2021. Then in K-12, it shifted completely because everyone's like, we never want to see Zoom again. We never want to go online again to saying thing to be fully in person. So it was like, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to use this anymore. So the business kind of, it's, it shifted a little bit from the integration perspective, still people interested, but much less because people were like, we're just going to, we just, we don't want to talk about it anymore, especially in K-12 and higher ed kind of run, runs itself. So last year I decided to ask, I mean, my company still exists with integration, but Last year, I decided to take on a new role and a new challenge at Sydney, which, as you said, uh, stands for Seeing is Believing Me. Sydney is a uh, an AI-based video. It was before AI it was a. It, it, I mean, it's been around for ten years as well. It was a. It is a video-based uh, professional development tool. Uh, so it's essentially allows you to scale your professional development, so you don't have to sit in a room, bring everybody to a place or have hire uh, consultants or or coaches to come in, do a checklist, send it to you. It's an interactive, constantly collaborative, video-based tool that allows the teacher just to take their phone, video themselves, and then, and then put it into our platform. And then you can collaborate with your coach, with your principal, with the central office, whomever you are is in your, what we call a huddle. We've added over the last six months, the, an AI tool to that which essentially analyzes the video for you. And, and by, by doing that, it, it's, it's not a replacement for a coach or a mentor or a principal or a teacher, but within minutes, without having to watch the whole video, without having to look the, spend hours and weeks back and forth with everybody saying, it gives you all the information that you need. It gives you a summary, gives you uh, how long teachers have spoke, their speaking level, who raised their hand, how, where the teacher was moved more into the classroom, all based on the video and the, and the transcript. And now we've, we're, we're, uh, if I can say it, I guess we're about to come out with the, um, um, it's a, it's called, we call Sydney, it's Sydney AI chat, where not only can you chat and ask questions to the, the AI bot, but you can also, that AI bot will analyze the video for you and you can give it specific frameworks and specific information saying i'd like it to uh, uh analyze based upon uh the texas the texas evaluation whatever or the florida oh, wow. evaluation whatever and it will spit out your lesson uh, it will it will tell you based upon the video or your lesson plan that you've uploaded if it's if how it goes with the level of your of of that evaluation tool and then suggest you changes to make to to make based upon that. So it's it's a it's um uh a, a, it's a it's like a, a true back and forth with yeah. the with the AI bot to help 
it's every teacher in America who uses our platform and who will be using our platform has a coach with them in the room with this AI chatbot. It's unbelievable. No, it's incredible because I, you know, I remember, gosh, going back to like 2009, just professional development conversations. And so to see it evolve to this point, I think is pretty, pretty exciting on, on, on a number of levels. Here's where I want to sort of, uh, pivot on this or maybe take a different tack differently, which would be, I'd be really curious, given your background prior to SIBME, but now obviously it's SIBME, um, and, and the conversations, because in your role in what you do, it's really conversation-based, right? You're, you're learning about what a potential customer, right, needs, and you're sort of, you're, you are aligning these elements to see if it's a nice, if it's a good fit for them and what they're trying to do to support their base of educators. I'm always fascinated with how questions change over time. Like in technology, we'll talk about software adoption curve, right? We sort of like, how long is it going to take for this just to become a part of what we're doing uh, without, without being concerned? I mean, I was there in the days of, of tech training in schools where they didn't know how to turn on, you know, an iPad. And it was like this, you know, like, what is a firewall and these sorts of things. And you went, okay, how do, how do we, uh, how do we deal with this? So, can you speak to the conversations and how they've changed over the last so many years when it comes to the discussions you're having? Because sometimes I think that's a window into the the overall viability of a technology entering into an educational space or ecosystem based on the questions that you are being asked by that potential prospect. So it's actually interesting because a lot of the uh, questions are, believe it or not, still the same, and they've also changed. So I'll, talk about the same for a second of people are still nervous about change, right? Going AI, going video-based professional development of not somebody not sitting there and making a few marks is scary for lots of districts, especially the large districts. Smaller districts, like our CEO, Dave, he just went to several smaller districts in Texas and they were like, when can we sign up? Because we don't have enough people. We don't have enough power. We, we can't hire people. The retention is 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 awful because people are not feeling supported. So they see the questions are basically like, show us the AI, show us how it can help us. And then once we do, they're like, okay, we need this because we're, we're for a better lack of term, we're dying here, right? Yeah, we're, we we're don't desperate. have the manpower yeah. and this will help us train, teach, support, much much faster the larger districts are still scared right they still don't want to make that shift whatever for, for various reasons but and when you really get into it with them in a, in a much more intimate setting very often they're like we know we need this we know this is something even though our teachers are scared of the technology that's going to replace them even though it's not going to replace them it just enhances their jobs makes it easier for them to teach it, it means that you have a lesson plan in front of you without having to spend a week making a lesson plan. You can just write a few sentences, something comes up and you can edit it. it so the questions are, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to change me? Is this going to replace me? Those are some of the bigger, bigger districts, right? Where the unions are like, well, they don't like video. So we're like, okay, you don't need video. You can do it from audio or you can just use the chatbot to help your teachers. So we, we like to say we're, we're not here to replace, we're here to enhance. Once you get that in their minds and once that those questions and those fears are sort of uh, downplayed and, and relaxed, then they're like, okay, where can we, where can we sign? Because they, they know they need it. It's just those questions of 
the, it's fear more than questions. The questions come around the fear of something new and something that they're scared of, of taking their, their, their jobs, even though that's not what's happening or, or going to happen. So potential silver lining then from the pandemic is you've got districts that they had no choice. They had to go sort of up, right, from a, a, a Zoom or whatever technology they were going to use. So they they went through their own boot camp. And so now it just makes sense to them, right? Is that, am I correct in that, that there is a silver lining yes. that, you know, we don't have a choice in this, so we better get used to it. And maybe we thought we had five to 10 years or even 20 years before these things would sort of come online. Um, but now it's here. And we better That's embrace right. and, it. And, this, and, this, and the superintendents are telling to all their people down saying exactly that. They're like, okay, we need to be in the forefront. We need to start implementing the technology, the proper technology, not every technology that comes in front of them, but the proper technology. So now you guys figure out how to do that and stop being so scared. Because we want to be in the front, not behind. Because the second that we start lagging behind, we're all in trouble, right? Yeah. And the technology helps them stay in the forefront versus staying behind. And the pandemic did that because the superintendents and the CAOs and the CTOs that didn't prepare themselves where the, the school boards were like, why are kids not learning online? Where is our Zoom licenses? Why have we not taught people how to do this before the pandemic? They're all gone. They're, they're, they're no longer in those positions anymore because they didn't foresee the next step. But now everybody's saying, what is the next step? We know there's AI, so we have to stop being scared of it because that is the next step to helping us be prepared for the next generation, for the next pandemic, for the next issue, for the next tornado, for the next whatever yeah. comes, natural disaster, to help the teachers move faster, quicker, and become better teachers. Because yeah. better teachers make better people, and I, and I really believe that. It does feel like there's been a natural churn, which happens in every industry and in turnover, and maybe it was accelerated because of the pandemic. I mean, I can recall in 2019 having a conversation with a chief academic officer who told me we we're having a conversation about sort of the influx here in the U.S. of um, early childhood uh, schools and institutions where these parents and that generation of a family was used to this sort of moment by moment communication through apps on the status of how their children were doing when they were napping like you know there was no sort of vacuum of time you were right there knowing sort of what's going on with your child or your children and i said that i i estimated that that's going to sort of flow into you know elementary school and beyond because you're going to have a generation of parents that are comfortable with this sort of one-to-one -one experience, real-time experience through technology of what's going on in their schools. And this individual told me that'll never happen in our district. And I, you know, I look back and think, I wonder whatever happened to that individual because it absolutely happened. And yes, it was forced by having to be remote, um, but it did change, I think, our thinking. And as we put a bow on our conversation, Dove, I, I want to kind of go back to the 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 elements that you were talking about early on in our conversation, and that is of being a founder and and sort of taking that leap. And I wonder if you don't mind sharing how that experience, right, over several years, how it changed you fundamentally in the way in which you looked at both problem opportunities and let's say challenges and the way in which you are either giving yourself grace to solve problems in a different way now because you... <laughs> 
you went through the trials and tribulations and or how it has allowed you to speed up your decision-making because you have been through those processes? Well, the, the, the huge challenge is that, that, I mean, it was a huge shift for me to become a manager and manage and, and not be, not be the only boss, right. As your founder and, and, and you you really are the one who's in charge. Um, that was a huge shift for me. And, and it, it was very difficult. Like you have to have, I, I learned a lot. Of, I've learned over the last year, a lot of patience and, uh, it definitely, I mean, being a founder is difficult. I mean, it, it's, it's like a baby. It's, it really it is. is. I, I, I just went away for two weeks and it was the first time in 10 years that I went away for two weeks. And I said, you know, it's okay if I turn, don't go to meetings and turn off my computer and just check my email once in a while. Like I never knew that that existed. And, and it, it, it it it's changed just the way I look. I mean, being a it's, it's so hard to explain. It's like I just changed the way I look at, at, at it, life. No, no, no. I get it. It's like <laughs> it's so just, hard. I it's yeah. it's I I you, you. I mean, it's really I just treated everything like a family. It's 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 yeah. like a baby, and like I grew the baby. I I and 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 when the baby when it when the when something went wrong, I took it. I I took it personally. And when something went well, I took it personally. So that that's just the the way that it is. And and so now in my in my new in my new role, more as a as a from a as a much larger company in a much larger place, not as a, as a founder. Um, it's it's I I take I still take things to heart, right? And I still I don't want to say personally, but a little bit personally. And I think people respect that, right? People see that even though. I'm, I'm not a founder of Sibme, but I care about Sibme like I'm a founder. I think that's sort of what I brought over of like, if you really, I mean, I'm, I'm a salesperson. You can't sell something that you don't really believe in. You don't, yeah. you can't train people or teach people to sell something that you don't really believe in. I believe in Sibme, like I said before, because I believe that better teachers make better people, right? You need good teachers to make a good people in, in the world. And we've, I'm sure... We've all, people listening, I know I've experienced with my own children what a good teacher can do and what a bad teacher can do. A good teacher takes took my, takes kids up above and beyond and a bad teacher can really ruin and, and affect a child for many, many years past just the year or two that they have that 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 teacher as a uh, in, in the classroom. And for me, that's why I take it to heart. So if, I guess to make, to answer your question to summarize, Wherever I go, whatever it is, whatever job, whatever position I'm in, I have to, because I was a founder, I have to believe, really, truly deep down believe in what I'm doing and what I'm selling and in the product. And no matter what position I'm in, I need to treat it like like it's a family member, like it's part of me, like like I am a founder. And and with Sibby, it's easy because that's that's what Sibby is to me. And and that's what I've learned from 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 that experience because if you don't you won't i don't think you'll be successful in what you do you have to really care that much about what you're trying for sure in sales uh what you're trying to sell in order everybody in this world is inundated especially in education with so many products so many people pushing so many vendors and i i know from my experience it's the fact that 
the people who are listened to are the ones who speak from the heart, not just speak from a deck. And that yeah. I think is a, a huge piece of the pie from coming from founder to a company not being a founder and beyond wherever that the, the, my life takes me. Well, it's clear you're in the right industry and that that students uh, and teachers in, in districts um, and ELAs that you work with uh, are, are benefiting because you do care. And I think that is in, that is incredibly important uh, to be authentic in a very synthetic world, um, especially in education, is um, it's important for, I think, all education companies to kind of Harken back to why in the world are we doing this in the first place? And I think you represent that incredibly well. Where can people learn more about the company? Where should we send them? Sure. You can go to our website, sibme.com, S-I-B-M-E.com. Uh, click contact us. You can email me as well. My email is dovef, D-O-V-F, at sibme, S-I-B-M-E.com. I'm happy to speak to anybody who, who wants to talk. Absolutely. Well, Dove, I have so enjoyed this, and I'm taking with me uh, not just obviously what Sydney is doing, uh, which just as both a parent and someone who used to provide professional development, I'm incredibly encouraged to see just thoughtful approaches to professional development. Uh, but even the cultural aspects and what you shared, I think it's important that we learn about each other uh, around the world and what we're doing to support young people in the next generation. And uh, that was very enlightening for me. So I really appreciate it. Once again, I'm your host, pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.